Alright, welcome back. On this podcast, we're back with Jacob Lehar, and we're going to be talking about sausage making. Uh, pig, deer, waterfowl, what else? Kind of the breakdown of everything. Mm-hmm. Could be turkey too if you want to, chicken. I know Jacob's made some chicken. But this is my favorite part of the hunting process, and thankfully, Jacob got us into the sausage making because... There are certain types of species of ducks, for one, that don't necessarily taste as good as, I mean, your full-plumed <laughs> mallard in the late season yeah. or, or a pintail or widgeon, the better-tasting birds. But in order to consume the animal that you are taking, you can put it into sausage and all the aspects that go into it. And, and kind of a short story of how this started was uh, well, Jacob started in his young age with his family, but for me, it was I had told my parents and my mom loves to cook and and feed everybody. That is one of her favorite things to do. But they knew that I was going on a pig hunt, and my dad says, "Hey, if there's a pig. You guys have a pig down. You're gonna be bringing meat back." He goes, "I will buy the grinder, the whole nine, and we'll we'll make sausage." And we'll have Jacob come and teach us and what the do's and don'ts. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And from when the, the animal is down to the cleaning process and getting it cold. And we'll kind of let Jacob take away what what we can do from there. So yep. we'll talk about p- pigs a little bit easier. And then we'll go into the, the waterfowl and talk about our experiences of getting everybody together this past year was really fun and how everybody came together and and we feasted. You're listening to the Central Valley Fowlers Podcast. When you first started this, Jacob, kind of give an overview of the do's and how to how to keep it cold, how to clean it, and just I'll let you take away on it. So I, I kind of grew up um, from young age, even pre-teens, I you know, we, we grew up taking a lot of wild game just because that was our primary protein source. So I spent a lot of my youth, uh, you know, in a kill room, uh, processing deer and processing hogs. And it was something that at the time I wasn't really old enough to have a heavy hand and, you know, the knife work or anything like that, but got to mix sausage and got to, got to case miles. And that's not an exaggeration, miles of sausage. Um, and it was just something that really interested me. And then as I got older, it was something that I did, you know, did for fun and did because it was a passion of mine. And it was, uh, you know, kind of a skill that I got to share share with my friends and something I got to do with my dad. But, you know, to talk about kind of the major, major things that you, it doesn't matter what kind of animal you've harvested and you want to make sausage out of and or any really animal that you want to consume is, you want the process to be as clean and sanitary as possible, and you want to keep that meat as cold as you can. 
Um, you know, my, most of my experiences with, with hogs and, you know, we, once we've, you know, we've, we've made the successful kill and we get the animal up on the gamble and we're going to start breaking it down before we even put a blade to it, we wash it. We try and get as much deer uh, or not deer. Wow. Uh, you get as much dirt, get as much loose hair, uh, feces, blood, whatever. We want to get that, that carcass as clean as possible. And then once we, once we get it skinned and we get the hide peeled off of it, we're cleaning it again. We're trying to make sure that we can take as much good product off that animal as we can. And then same thing, once we get the cavities open and we get all the, you know, the, the heart lungs, we split the diaphragm and get all the digestive tract out of it, it's the same thing. We, we're washing it again, just trying to get that, get that flesh and all that red meat protein as absolutely clean as you can. So... You know, I guess for dues, uh, those are the two big ones, is just be uh, be as clean as you can, and you want to work kind of quick too, because you want to keep that carcass cold, and then, you know, your big don'ts is just try and keep it off the ground, um, try and keep it out of its own body fluids, and then um, just try and, try and be as, as clean and as sanitary as you can, and, and just be as, be as uh, sanitary as your conditions allow. I guess would be a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so once you've got the animal cut up and you got it put in the ice chest, at least for sausage, you're going to go and chunk it up like we did. Do you recommend, like, hey, if you're short on time, tough it out and chunk it up be, and, like before freezing it? Or would you still be fine with freezing it and then chunking it up and making sausage or chunking it up and freezing it again? Like, what do you want to do? So What's your ideal? I guess that it kind of depends on your scenario. Um, if you have tender freezer space, like with hogs, like typically we take uh, hams, shoulders, and we'll take the back straps out of it just because it takes a lot of time and effort to get the meat out of the ribs. And it's for the amount of work you put into it, you don't get a lot of result. Um, if you've got this, the freezer space to put like whole, like I call them like quarters or primal cuts in the freezer, I would recommend doing that. Just because, you know, at that point, it's a, it's a logic thing. You know, it's it, any of your, you know, your bacteria or, or anything that's going to spoil that meat, it's going to be because it was, you know, bare meat exposed to oxygen. So if you're limiting the amount of surface area that's, a, that's exposed to oxygen, uh, the less chance you have of, of that meat going bad. Um, you know, but if, if you follow those practices of keeping the, keeping the meat clean, and keeping the meat cold and you can get it cubed out and then vacuum sealed and put in the freezer that's probably the most realistic uh, scenario because not everybody's got a, a walk-in freezer or a you know a big chest freezer that's not already halfway full so you can't throw four hog legs in a and two bag yeah. two bags of loins in there so uh, probably the I guess ideally you'd want to do that but the most realistic and probably the most practical is just to go ahead and get it home, get it out of the ice chest, and get it cubed up like uh, almost like big stew meat chunks, and then vacuum seal it. And then we want to weigh it too because when you get to the point of actual sausage making, you've got to know your ratios of um, you know what, how much red meat you have, and then if you do have to add fat, it's got it's a, it's going to be a ratio. So you have to know how much meat you have, and then. When you're batching out sausage, you have to know how much seasoning to add too. So it's good to know your total weight of meat so you can, one, add your fat weight and then make sure you, you have enough seasoning. So types of fats. 
so hog obviously we're using pork fat but yeah going to like deer and duck and chicken what kind of do you change up your fats or do you always use pork fat or beef or um for me like um or you add like ground beef or some honestly i I, it's all really preference uh what you like to eat so if you really like the flavor of venison um you know you could add you could use deer fat and venison um deer fat's not really easy to come by and it's really hard to uh, also find clean fat so with wild animals you know the fat is kind of where whatever they've been eating and drinking has has been deposited so like for uh, a deer or a hog if they've got access to fresh running water and a pretty regular feed source that fat's going to be nice and white and clean and it's not going to have a lot of a gamey flavor to it or on the flip side of that if that animal's been hurting for water or it's not had the you know the healthiest of feed sources that fat's going to be a lot gamier so typically if if i have to add fat to a sausage uh, a sausage ratio i try and go go to a grocery store and just buy either like a a whole pork shoulder untrimmed so i can get a, a fresh fat cap or a lot of these grocery stores you can go and ask the butcher counter and they'll actually sell you fat trimmings um i i like to use uh, usually pork fat even on the waterfowl stuff um but the the pork fat's really the most consistent and i don't think pork fat has a lot of flavor in my opinion so like if you were to add that to a, like a duck sausage or a deer sausage you're not going to get a uh you know a you're not going to get duck flavor and then like a pork fat flavor behind it. Okay. So it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to mask. So I I try and stick to try and stick to just clean pork fat if I can get my hands on it. But beef fat works as well. Okay. And it, explain a little bit of why you use fat. So just we'll take we'll take waterfowl and throwing that fat into the breasts of a mallard duck. And why, why are you using fat? What does it do for the end result? So I know it keeps it together. Yeah. And just explain a little bit of why, why so, you add that. Okay, yeah. So fat, fat really, it's, it's, it's what, uh, it's everything that's good in meat. So you, you go to a steakhouse and you order, you know, you order a $45 filet mignon. Well, you're paying $45 for that steak because it's got a bunch of fat in there between the muscle proteins. And that's going to make it tender. That's going to make it juicy. That's going to make it, you know, just chock full of flavor. Um, muscle cells don't have a lot of flavor or moisture in them. Fat does. So in the instance of like a waterfowl, and not even just a waterfowl, but birds in general. So, you know, chicken, turkey, doesn't matter. There's hardly any fat in in their between their muscles so if you were just to make a like a straight duck breast sausage one it would crumble because there's no there's nothing to help it stick together and then two it would be super dry because that muscle protein isn't going to hold any water excuse me um so you add that you add that fat to it one to, to keep it together and then two you're adding some moisture back into the product and then three, you're adding um, you're adding some flavor to it as well. You're just not necessarily the flavor of the fat, but whatever you season that meat with is going to take on the flavor. Um, the fat's going to take the flavor on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a three prong thing. But um, yeah, if, if you if you under 
especially with a meat that's that's low in fat content if you under fat it so your ratios off say you go like a like a 90 10 90 90% protein to 10% fat you know that 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 sausage is going to dry out a lot quicker than a say like an 80 20 ratio or a 75 25 ratio so how do you gauge how much fat you got to put in is it eyeballing it based off of the current animal in front of you or do you have basically like hog i'm gonna do this duck i'm gonna do this deer i'm gonna do this ratio or do you look at how much fat content is there so it's a little bit of both i mean looking at an animal like a, a land animal so looking at um a, a, a deer looking at a hog looking at a sheep you know, you, you can't really like gauge within percentage points of how much fat's in that animal. So really where I figure out kind of where I want to be uh, as far as fat content is when I grind it. So if I'm grinding it and it's just super red, you're not seeing any white flakes in there, I know I'm going to need to incorporate some fat. Um, when I have it in the lug after I've ground it, I want to see like, I want it to look like almost 50-50 fat you know white white fat to red meat because in reality if i'm at that ratio we're looking at probably a 75 25 uh, protein to fat and then with uh well that's really kind of where i want to be with with all species to be honest with you um 75 25 yeah 75 25 and maybe with uh <clears throat> with um like the pole, like the the upland game or the waterfowl will go a little heavier just because there's so little little fat in the meat that we're cooking. So maybe we'll go like a 70-30, but it's it's not a drastic change from what we typically do with the with the big game. Okay. So let, let's uh, backtrack a little bit and go from because my mine and Riley's hogs are two totally different hogs, and um, the little storyline of with mine, we picked our day what we were gonna do. Uh, we kind of picked our seasoning, and seasoning is all kind of preference of what how you want that that meat to taste. Um, and with mine, we were going to go with casing, so we we're going to do um, like sausage links. But I we we're going to do it on a Saturday, and I think Thursday of thawing out that meat. Once you put it into the freezer, you want to slowly thaw it out. So what I did was took it out. Maybe I think it was Thursday, and threw it in the big ice chest with ice in it. And I remember that morning before you came over, you had called me and you're like, hey, is that meat out? Is it thawed? And I was like, well, I took it out on Thursday. And like, you did what? <laughs> like, yeah, I took, it out. I took it out Thursday. That's what I thought we were supposed to do. He goes, oh, I hope that meat's not ruined. Because if it goes from frozen to hot, it'll kind of deteriorate. Not deteriorate the meat, but it'll taste a lot different yeah kind of so ruined you, you'll start to get some some rancid tendencies there when if if you don't have the opportunity or you don't have the time to basically go from taking the animal to breaking it down to sausage you, you've got to freeze it and when you go from that freezing stage or that frozen stage to working with it to actually break it down to sausage that's kind of the first really critical step in making sure that you're you're not actually working with a bunch of meat that's going to go bad in the freezer. So you really want to manage that that warming up process or that thawing out process because if it happens too quick, you're not going to be able to slow it down. Like if that meat gets to room temperature, you can't recool it because it's going to be rancid. Right. So we want to go basically from frozen solid 
to still really cold but soft enough to work with because mm -hmm. i mean we're going to feed it to a grinder so it can be it can be a little hard but if we just we've got to keep it cold because our next steps when we <coughs> go through you know when we go through the grinding when we go through the mixing when we go through the stuffer that's three friction based processes that we really we're going to be introducing heat and and room temperature air to this meat so we want to start with as absolutely cold a product as we can that's not frozen solid right so i'm on the phone did you come that day by the way were you there helping out was i there i feel like you I, were yes i was there okay because we're all learning yeah i we, remember we yeah. were all learning jacob had a lot of patience with us but <laughs> i'm on a patience. i had a lot of beer that's why <laughs> i'm on the phone with him and he said you better call and figure out because it was at my parents house they had the freezer so they they were super jacked for all of us to come over and do this and and we all were and so i was freaking out so i called my mom i was like mom go into that ice chest and please tell me that that meat is still a little bit frozen and she went over to the ice chest lit it up and she's like yeah no it's still frozen so i'm going to take some of the ice out and so luckily with this story it did not make the meat rancid it was just yeah. kind of a a little bit of a <laughs> it, it definitely worked out but it, it was a it was a panic yeah it was a man we went like we basically pulled an all-nighter to go get this pig like we talked about it in the last episode it was a it was a whirlwind trip and then we're all excited about doing this we've bought a grinder got you know casings and seasoning and everything else it's like man i hope this meat isn't bad <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no we all got there and with this process i mean and I'll let Jacob talk more about um, the whole uh, facilities of the commercial grinder or what different deals you can get. And with my parents, my dad went and bought, I want to say it was a, like a $300 setup to make, make it, make ends work. And that, that got us through. I mean, it's not going to do 400 pounds of meat, but. You can push some meat. Oh, you it. you can do it. It just take a it real takes long a time. Long time. <laughs> yeah. So it was a it's a really good setup that we had to do what we do with the pig. With if, it, if somebody gets a deer or waterfowl, but we all got there and it's kind of a I would say three to four person job. You don't want to get yeah. too many people's hands in the cookie jar because we get in the way of it. But. Um, kind of got there we still had to to cut cubes in the meat so Jacob and I sat there and cut it all up and then man once you start the grinding process it is fast you, yeah. you go really quick and I mean we're all there and Jacob's talking as we're trying to learn of what to do and keeping it cold and we knocked it out a lot faster than what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, and it's it's fast because, like we talked about, you, you want to keep that cold. So if if you take a lot of time between processes, and that's that's part of the reason you need so many, you know, four sets of hands involved. Because as say if Drew and I are are grinding all this meat and getting it done, well, okay, we need to have someone prepping the next step because we're you know we want to keep this meat cold. And even like with, with your hog, we went and did yours, it was two or three lugs of meat. And it was a situation where we'd get one out and be like, all right, hey, get this back in the freezer. We need to get this cold. Mm -hmm. And then we go on and we, we fill our second lug. And then as we're stuffing the, you know, mixing the second or the first lug and starting to get it stuffed, 
we throw the second lug back in the freezer just to keep keep everything cold and it's kind of a it's kind of a delicate process and it takes a little bit of dancing and a little bit of you know knowing knowing what's going on and, and knowing like keeping the keeping the important stuff you know in the in the forefront like yes it's exciting it's fun and it's new but hey we got to keep this stuff cold so we don't we're not putting a bunch of bad meat in the freezer yeah, yeah. we all got to pay attention <clears throat> i mean my mom and dad they got their hands in there mom was chopping up jalapenos and cheese and getting all the seasoning stuff going and man if, thinking back at it it's really it it's all preparation cuz once you're in it it's it goes quick i mean even yeah. the stuffing yeah it sucks pushing all that meat through and and making sure that the uh, casing doesn't snap and and everything but um I kind of want to go into the day where we did we did your hog. This was after season, so we did we did mine. I don't know what November of yeah, last year, so. and got together and kind of we cooked whatever. I think we cooked the tenderloin of that yeah. hog as well yeah. that day, and that was so good. Had some other stuff, but then then we kept saying, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna be going on a lot of duck hunts. We're gonna have and then Riley went on his pig hunt, and so we wanted to all get together and kind of make a tradition out of this, and family and friends, and we all got together after duck season, and we finally picked a date that worked for everybody, and oh my gosh, we just went to town on Feasting. everything. There's so much food. <laughs> There's so much food, and so, and you think of it, we had pig, we had deer, and we had duck. And pheasant and pheasant but the sausage i mean you had three different wild game going through that grinder mm -hmm. and what you want to do how we want to do it with casing or with kind of make it into like a breakfast what is a pound we did yeah a pound. we did breakfast chubs yep yep and boy was it so much fun to oh, to get it all awesome. all going and i'm happy it was the, the fat part i think i mean is the most important piece yeah. of how much you want to, and I'm glad that Jacob touched up on that but that was such a cool experience for everybody that was involved I mean everybody kind of got their hands in there to to do it so so once we've ground the meat and just a tip I don't want to forget that we mentioned that you taught us is once you're done grinding meat put some bread through the grinder get all that meat out yeah that was I would never thought of that that's yeah. so smart Getting, so bread through it to get all the meat out of the grinder right so there's a couple um you know to go through i guess the whole process you know first thing it yeah we want to keep the meat cold we want to keep it clean but that that grinding neck doesn't matter what size grinder you have and this goes from i learned this working on a commercial size grinder where we're running you know 150 pound batches of sausage at a time you take the whole neck out of that grinder, the auger, the blades, the die, everything, every part that screws off the top of that that's going to touch meat, you put it in the freezer a week before. You want to keep it cold because there's going to be a lot of friction there. And even in the, you know, the two times that we that we made sausage, you know, I think the most we did was 100 pounds in a day, but we um, you know, between each batch, any time where, where that grinder wasn't going to be running for 10 or 15 minutes, we broke it down, cleaned it put it in the freezer and kept it cold so the that metal doesn't heat up and then basically start cooking the sausages we're grinding it 
But to get to your bread point, that's really good, you know, either between seasoning, uh, seasoning batches or between um, species that you're grinding. Just feed that, feed that grinder two or three pieces of bread because there's going to be a bunch of, you know, a bunch of gunked up meat and fat and stuff that's going to be stuck in the auger or stuck behind the blade or stuck in the, stuck in the die. And you want to make sure that you get all that out because it just helps you get, helps you keep your batches clean. Um, you know, if you're, if you're starting to, you know, case sausage and you're, you know, say you made jalapeno cheddar first, which is kind of acidic and more of a savory sausage. And then you're going to something else, like say a breakfast sausage. Well, if you don't get that grinder clean and don't get that auger body all, uh, all purged of all that jalapeno cheddar, you're going to be making some jalapeno cheddar breakfast sausage. <laughs> that may not be for everybody, but yeah, just keeping everything clean. It's, it's not just the animal that you want to keep clean. You want to keep your, your surfaces you're working with. You want to keep them wet and clean if you can. And then your, all of your equipment you're using, you want to keep that as clean as possible as well. So after, after we put the bread through, got it cleaned and we took the lugs back out, got our seasonings ready. I mean, if I was seasoning it, I was just going to, you know, put some there, mix it. But you told us, like, kind of go over how you season the lugs. And the lugs are just big tubs of meat. Yeah, so it basically, <clears throat> I mean, in a, in a small setting, we use lugs. Um, some, you know, some big kill rooms that I've worked in or, you know, I, I studied animal science at Fresno State, and I was able to do some a couple of classes in the meat labs, and they had a, a professional mixer, and, it's definitely not as, as technical as what we're doing in our small batches. But, you know, with a small batch, you know, all these seasonings, if you buy prepackaged seasoning, they're all, they're all weighted for 25 pounds of meat. So, one, you got to have a good scale, and you got to make sure that you've got, you know, close to 25 pounds of product in that lug. You want to get it flat. You know, so it's basically like, um, like patting down a cake. So you want to get you want to get that meat in the lug as flat as you can and as even as you can, and then you spread your seasoning out evenly because you don't have anything mechanical to make sure that you're going to get the right amount of seasoning to every bit of that meat. So you want to spread your seasoning out as best as you can, almost like you're icing a cake, and then you fold it because that's going to ensure that you're you're moving an entire side of that pan. So you're moving 12 and a half pounds of product. And you're taking that and you're folding it over, and you want to move in big in big movements because that's what's going to ensure uniformity with your seasoning. And getting the corners and yeah, work those back. Work in. the corners, fold the corners back in because the the reason you do that is it's really frustrating when you get all that mixed up and you go to start casing, and you're watching this meat go through the stuffer and you just see patches of meat and no seasoning. Yeah. It's like, oh man, well I know when I cook that it's just gonna taste like pig or it's just gonna taste like duck. Like I spent money or I, I, I you know, I worked really hard to prepare this seasoning mix and I'm making I'm making a product that isn't seasoned. Yep. So which is I mean it, it's frustrating and then it creates inconsistency in your product too. So, you know, you you you, you cook these like broth size sausages, which is what we what I have the most experience in and what we typically make. And, you know, so you barbecue off, you know, six of these, these brat style sausages and you split them and one, you know, you can see the seeds and seasoning in and then the next coin is just meat. It looks like a hamburger patty. It's like, oh crap. Yeah, I'm so, messed up on that one. Yeah. So making sure that you're seasoning <clears throat> evenly is really important. And it, it may sound easy of us just kind of talking over this, but 
What a process it is. <laughs> and you have to, I mean, it's not a quick thing. If you're prepared right and everything's in the right motion of how Jacob said you freeze the dyes and all the stuff, the meat's getting pushed through, the, the meat's frozen, everything's cold. The preparation is huge. Yeah. <clears throat> and the timing of seasoning and once everybody's on the same page and you once you do it once or twice, gosh, it goes the second time we did it, it went Yeah. I mean ja- Jacob hardly you. ever had to get in there and do anything. He got to relax and enjoy what he taught us how to do and that was that was neat. It was kinda like, All right, we're pushing Jacob out yeah, of the way. Get out of here, man. So you don't have to do <laughs> do the work, let us do it and and that that's that's the whole reason of why we do it. I mean, yeah, we can take it to a, a butcher for 150 bucks or whatever. But that that grinder that my parents had bought or the whole setup, it's probably paid for itself by now. Oh but yeah, without just, a doubt. Just the two times that we've sat and did a whole day of making it. Well, even just like saving the money part is nice because you know <laughs> you're gonna get the meat that you harvested, not someone else's meat. But you also get that experience. Absolutely. Like every time you look at that meat and eat it, you're going to know, man, I remember being with all my buddies making sausage. Mm-hmm. We made this sausage. Yeah. And it's, That's another big part of it. That's the cool part. Definitely. And it, it's a good skill, too. You know, I have a I have a little grinder that goes on my on my wife's uh, Cuisinart mixer. And and um, it, it's, it's nice. You know, there's times where... Maybe I haven't gotten over and, and got a hog down or I don't have any, you know, wild meat in the freezer, but you can go to the grocery store and buy a pork butt and you got some seasoning whipped up in the in, in the in the pantry and you can just if you know how to do it, you can make sausage out of anything. Shoot, I did it the other night. I took my last two bags of duck and a pound of bacon, mixed them together, ran it through the grinder, seasoned it with garlic salt, black pepper, kosher salt, and um, brown sugar made burgers yeah it's it's so nice to have your own grinder yeah it was in breasts and you just run it through and you got burger yeah and really i mean it's you can buy a grinder almost anywhere you know you can get a stuffer at basically any any sporting goods store like a sportsman's warehouse or a shields or a place like that cabela's has them but you know really knowing understanding your grinder and understanding how it works and which dies to use which blade to use is really important so a blade, the blades are all pretty similar, but most grinders, you'll get three different dies. You have one that's a really like a, it's big. It maybe only has like 15 holes in it. I typically never use that. Um, Why is that? So whatever, the die essentially determines the texture, the texture of the final product. So if you use uh, too big of a die, so your hole diameters are too large in the die, um, it's going to be big chunks and it's going to be really chewy. Now, with any kind of land animal, so uh, deer, beef, hogs, um, anything of that nature, I use kind of that middle die. So it's a little bit smaller hole. There's maybe 45, 50 holes in the die. Um, that's a really good texture. Now, with, um, with any kind of birds or anything that's really low in fat, I use the smallest, uh, the smallest diameter die they have. Back to the texture thing. So there's no fat, no fat in a duck breast. So you want to grind that as fine as you can because it, it makes it softer textured. So if you were to leave that in, say, your, your big game die, it's going to be super chewy. And then with your, your, your particle size is going to be bigger. And so it's going to be, you'll get like, if you're incorporating fat, which you should, 
um, you're going to get like chunk of duck meat, chunk of fat. It'll make it more homogenous. Yeah. So if you when you grind it smaller, I mean, it's going to look weirder in the tote, not with that smaller dye. But when you incorporate the fat and then you get it cooked, you'll understand why you've done it. You're going to get a more consistent one, more consistent fill in the casing, and then you're going to get a better eating experience out of it. So now with the dyes, the do you use a dye when you're stuffing, or do you just use that little funnel thing? The so, thing that just lets meat go right through. You'll have you'll have three grinding dies, and then you'll have it's a stuffing die. So it'll just be three holes. Mm -hmm. Because if you try and put your grinder, a lot of grinders will grind and stuff both. But um, with when when you're stuffing, you take the blade out, and you, you know you'll you'll run that set that set nut off. You'll take the blade out, and then you'll just put in uh, the stuffing die, which is basically just got three big holes, and it's a little thicker. Then your grinding dies to take this place of take the place of the blade as well so you're that way everything is still tight the auger is still tight in the body of the stuffer and then you add your you put your your nozzle on and then you set your your sleeve back on your okay. your set nut and going off of the let's go back to the waterfowl and on the opinion based of how we did it this past time we didn't keep any of the fat because when, when you breast out a, out of a duck, there is that fat cavity. It's not thick. But in previous times, that that fat is super oily. Yeah. And you, in my opinion, it does not taste very good. Right. You, <laughs> you take, a, <laughs> take a big bite of, of uh, duck fat from the breast, and it's not very tasty. So what we did is we incorporated, um, we took a pig sh or shoulder from just from the store and with the fat and we kind of cut up some slices and that's what we mixed in with the duck. And it still had a, a little, you could tell it was duck, but with that pig kind of taking some of that oily, gamey duck flavor, because duck is such a distinct taste. Mm -hmm. There's good duck and there's bad duck. And with people who say, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to eat spoonies because, or I don't want to shoot spoonies because that's not a good tasting duck. Well, here in this area, 90% of the time you're going to shoot a spoonie if you have a good day. Yeah. And we don't pass on spoonies. Like, hey, <laughs> that's a sausage. That's a duck, especially that, if you're making sausage. That's a, <laughs> that's a sausage <clears throat> duck. And we, thankfully from Jacob, we, that is how we eat our duck for the most part. And we'll... We'll make poppers and stuff too, but man, that duck sausage is just phenomenal. And you, you can tell it's duck. There are sometimes if you don't mix it with anything, you just make that little patty and you just have pork shoulder meat on it. You can tell it's duck, but it's not like a ooh, that's that's duck. It doesn't smell. The only smell you get is from that seasoning. Right, and so that goes back to the fat thing, right? You know, we <clears throat> talked about it earlier. It's you know it you. I like using pork fat just because it's clean. You don't get a ton of flavor when you cook something. It smells like bacon because the smell you smell when you cook bacon is pig fat. Um, and it doesn't really mask the flavor. So, like, that's really, even with, you know, a wild hog, if I shoot it, and, you know, you open it up and you know right away, like, hey, this guy's going to stink. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to use any fat off of this guy in the sausage. I'm going to have to go buy it. So... But there, that's kind of the beauty of, you know, kind of supplementing your protein with some some clean pork fat 
is you still it still tastes like the animal you harvested but it's not overpowering and if like say for your duck sausage if you were to use duck fat as well that you know that that basically that flavor bomb that is the fat would overpower even even your seasoning whatever you put on it so you wouldn't really get the entire experience of like oh yeah this is duck it's got the right texture and it's seasoned well you're just going to taste duck meat and it's going to smell and taste like duck fat and you know that and that goes for any kind of any species of animal that you sausage you know if you're not using the right fat content or you're not using clean fat it's just going to be the the flavor of the meat is going to overpower whatever you've added to it in seasoning mm-hmm. that's i would just like to say that I bought my grinder from Cabela's, 99 bucks. Has three stuffer tubes, two different dyes, two blades. If you don't enjoy eating waterfowl, which I did not because I could, I would always overcook it, but if you make it into sausage, it is the best way to eat it if you are not comfortable in your ability to cook waterfowl because it's so easy to cook. Once you season it, you can mask that flavor really easy. And it is a very enjoyable way for people to get to understand the taste of waterfowl and to be open to trying it. Because a lot of people are like, oh, no, I don't want to eat duck. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's part of the reason that I, I never really pushed to get out, you know, get out in the blind or get out in the pond and, and waterfowl hunt is I just didn't, wasn't really a fan of eating it. And actually, Drew's mom was the first person that made duck in a way that I could actually eat it and want want to eat it again mm-hmm. with that uh, that jambalaya. But, oh, my gosh. That's so um, good. You know, even with the sausage, I was, when we were talking about it one day, it's like, hey, you know, we should, we should make some duck sausage. And uh, initially I was like, man, I don't, I don't think that'd be very good. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I, I think we could do enough stuff to it where we could really make a, a pretty, pretty enjoyable duck sausage. And it worked out really well. You know, it's. Well, shoot, just the other day at your in-law's house, you guys made a, Duck yeah. was gone. <laughs> yeah, so the day after we made all that sausage, we we did uh, we we ran all that duck through the day before the Super Bowl, and um, the next morning we uh, I was at my in laws' house and we had you know, my father in law makes this uh, this breakfast bake essentially it's like a make it into breakfast burritos it's just breakfast sausage eggs and cheese and we did one with regular just store bought uh, hog breakfast sausage. And then we made one with the duck sausage, and all of the duck sausage scramble was gone, like <laughs> like quit too. And it's just like, well, you know, all these ducks that were people are leaving, you know, they're getting freezer burnt in the back of the freezer because people don't want to eat them. And you know, we're, we're kind of we're we're figuring out ways to really utilize what we're what we're taking, and that's really neat. Yeah, well, and everybody, our whole group that that we hunted with kind of contributed. I mean, they took kind of the teals, the mallards, the gadwall, widgeon just kept them as brass full brass but with their the spoonies they would throw it in my parents freezer i mean our buddy nate he'd just come by after a hunt and my dad would be home and he'd just kind of launch the meat over to my dad and he'd just go and throw it in the freezer it's like here and we labeled it it was sausage sausage duck and that's how we labeled it and when we went back through we weighed it all and it's like all right well and i I forgot how many wasn't it like 53 pounds of something like that the one pound bags i mean my, my parents had a good idea of getting that set up and and that way we didn't have to sit there and patty all the 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 meat up we just put it in these one pound bags and 
off we went and crazy easy to store that way so yeah it's a really good fly out too just take a bag out in the morning and it's good for the night time yep really good way to like how Jacob said to eliminate that freezer burnt duck yeah yeah that's that's the most frustrating thing for me as a hunter you know it you go out and it's uh you know you're going out on onto the seasonal hunts and you know you go get a deer you go get duck or you know for me I'll shoot a lot of dove and you know you uh you take down you know you get a couple of limit days on on a on a seasonal hunt and then you're you're going through your freezer right before the opener the next year it's like man i didn't get to this like i found you know you find a bag of dove breasts in the back of the fridge or your freezer you find a bunch of duck breasts like oh man i didn't get to these well you know the the sausage drought is is a way to kind of repurpose that meat and there's something that you know maybe someone who isn't the biggest fan of of that meat the way it tastes well Maybe, maybe you're preparing it in a way that it's a little bit easier to eat and a little bit easier to get out of the freezer so you don't feel bad taking an animal that you don't end up eating. Right. Yeah. On granted, you cannot, I couldn't have that duck sausage every day of my life. Yeah. It, not that it gets old, but it's still, it's not something that you can have all the time. It's not something you crave, but there are, you can make it into whatever you want and you just, pick at it as the season goes and the next season comes around during hunting season it's like all right well it's time to make that sausage pile for (coughs) ducks and have that day with all of our friends and have a blast with it because it's now turned into a traditional thing that's all we talked about that day that we were sitting there doing it all and eating it we're gonna switch up houses this year yeah yeah every year do a different place you get to go destroy somebody else's house (laughs) well that's kind of the unique thing about making sausage too you know it's with um it doesn't matter what protein you start with or what what species of animal you put through the grinder you know you can make breakfast sausage you can make chorizo you can make you know spicy sweet savory it doesn't matter you know you can put together whatever whatever mixture of seasonings you want and whatever vegetables you want to put in it or cheese it, it doesn't matter you know you can take that animal and make it fit every meal you know, I've, I've, we've made we've made pork our own pork chorizo. We've made breakfast sausage. We've made salami. You know, it's if, if it'll go through a grinder and you know what kind of seasonings to put in it, you can make it fit any type of meal on any time of day. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I love about making sausage is just the versatility of it. Yep, very versatile. Yeah, well, it's a good family <clears throat> friend activity. If because now we're at the the point of we have jobs where got girlfriends married have kids and it's not not the easiest to always get around to see each other well this is something that we always look forward to already now we know i think that's the weekend that we're going to do it is super bowl weekend that saturday yeah. and it's already planned it's like okay well we know what we're doing that day we're yeah. making sausage with everybody mm-hmm. yeah and we look forward we're making to making all get together yep and just have a day everybody kind of brings everything and we just eat and eat and eat and eat and then after we're done eating we'll eat a little more yeah <laughs> a lot of leftovers but yeah. is there anything that you want to add i'm to? just thankful that we got to learn making sausage from because it truly has changed the way like well i would just i wouldn't pass up certain ducks but i feel like if 
people can learn how to make sausage, they will be more accepting to like shoot spoonies and shoot ruddy ducks or whatever flies by because it'll make good sausage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, I think it makes you more confident in the blind, like you were talking about, or confident in the pond. And, you know, it's, it's really a, a versatile and universal way to, to consume what you're eating or consume what you're, what you're, what you're taking. So that, that's what I love about it is it's just, there's the, the options are endless. You know, there's a few recipes that I like to kind of stick to and stuff that I think that, you know, over years of, of making sausage that, you know, my, me and my family have kind of perfected and recipes that we really like. And then, you know, working with Drew and Riley and the different animals they've taken that we've put into sausage is, introduced me to some new recipes or spice blends that we've tried and figuring out what works and what doesn't has been a really fun thing too because I kind of got in a rut of well not necessarily a rut but I got into a habit of really just kind of making three flavors with this my sausage and it's been kind of fun and it's almost a learning experience for me as well with the ideas that you guys bring to you know make a different product and that's been a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been a blast. Absolutely. It's, we're very fortunate to be able to do this and put food on the table for yep. people who wouldn't even think that they would like duck. Or, or like, wild hog. Or a lot wild, of people wild, don't like wild hog. Wild just because what they hear about it. Mm-hmm. You make it in a sausage and it is, you won't know the difference. No. And no. sometimes I think it's a little better. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you can... You can make your own seasoning. Oh, it's better because we we did everything. Too. Yeah, yeah. And our friends did. Yeah. It. We feel, it, it could be completely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> In our mind, it tastes really. Yeah, good. yeah. No, it's phenomenal. I can't say anything bad about it. So, yeah. alrighty. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Thank no you for problem. joining us on this and. We'll look forward to later in the fall, hopefully December, after your first one. We'll after you get in the water and the muck and all the nasty stuff. We'll have to take you out on a rainy day in 35 degree weather. That way we break it in real nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to take you early season. There's nothing. To <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, thank you, boys. Yeah. No problems, a pleasure. Absolutely. Until next time. <laughs>